0: Hello, and welcome to the Pro-AV Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Maggie Shin. AV system engineering, integration, and unification can be complex, especially for larger projects and installations. Added to that complexity is the possibility that something might go wrong. Joining us today to address systems failures in the pro-AV industry, along with what to do and how to solve these challenges, is Caleb Nelson of Bridges System Integration. Caleb is a service technician at the technology company and an AVIXA certified technology specialist located just outside of Washington, D.C. Welcome, Caleb. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you. So, Caleb, let's start out first. Tell me a little about Bridges system integration. I understand that the company has a focus on government and other large installations.
1: Yeah, so uh, Bridges focuses primarily on doing design build systems, things like auditoriums, network operations centers, security operations centers. It's kind of our specialty. We do do conference rooms and training rooms. That is pretty standard for an AV company to work with we do see a variety between small systems and systems that span large campuses
0: Caleb I imagine your customers require a high level of integration and unification tell me how and why this has changed over the years
1: ten, ten years ago everything was analog so you had a you had a small system that basically did you know your audio and video routing and that was about the extent of it Now, we support larger enterprise systems where, you know, everything is networked together. So some spaces will have, you know, the phone system, the IT system, uh, and the AV system all existing on the same network. So we really, you know, work with our end users on instead of them seeing, you know, several small systems, they see one large system that that drives what their end goal is, whether it's, you know, Supporting different live events or uh, monitoring different, different natural disasters or uh, monitoring air traffic. Like we, we go through and work closely with IT teams to, you know, set up one large system for everybody to use to kind of give them a better user experience on pursuing their end goal.
0: So with that overlap that you just mentioned between IT and AV, and also the increased use of networked AV systems, does that present more challenges to you?
1: It presents some challenges. AV over IT isn't anything necessarily new. It's becoming more and more popular as time goes on, as you know, certain protocols are starting to be understood better by both groups there's always security updates from it standpoint and the more they build in to those security updates the specific protocols that our gear likes to travel over the more that we can use it in secure environments commercial environments is kind of a different animal because they don't have a lot of the security requirements that Say you know uh, a sock would have or a knock would have. It gives everyone a little bit more flexibility in you know how large their system can be. Because if everything's over over network, as long as you have the network switch capacity to be able to handle it, you can make a system as big or as small as you want.
0: With these types of projects, systems failures must happen often. Is that correct? If so, what are the most common system failures you see?
1: Common system failures is kind of a Thing that doesn't really exist i mean you can have you can have uh common types of system failures like say both conference room a and conference room b have a touch panel that doesn't control anything in the room any longer when a technician goes in they can find in conference room a that you know the control processor doesn't work anymore like either it's locked up it's frozen it's completely dead if you're talking about older control processors conference room b there could have been work done to the table where they unplugged the, the network connection for the touch panel to talk to the control processor and plugged it into a different jack or just left it unplugged. Now, those are two similar issues, but the cause of the system failures are completely different. I've I've been doing service at bridges for, you know, about three years and I don't think I've ran into a problem that's been exactly the same as the one that I've seen previously.
0: With systems failures being different from project to project, as you just mentioned, is there a process that you have for addressing systems failures?
1: Pray and hope that you can find what the system failure is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, yeah, with anything, there's there's always going to be a process to figure out what it is. My boss and a couple others at my company always have the uh, the mantra to divide the system in half, meaning if you're not getting video to a location, go to the place where all of the video goes into and comes out of and look there first to see where that system break is. Um, you can apply that same mindset to just about any kind of system failure. You don't want to troubleshoot the entire system all at once. It's going to take you forever to figure it out. You want to slowly cross things off your list. Like I checked this connection here. It's not the switcher. I checked this connection here. It's not the DSP. You know, it's steady methodical process that that gets better with time.
0: How can you teach other service technicians how to properly address systems failures? Is there what else is needed, Caleb?
1: Throwing them to the wolves. Honestly, <laughs> um, I mean, so there's a couple different things that come with addressing system failures. You don't only just have a system that doesn't work anymore. You also have your end users who are seeing this room not work in large collaborative spaces like watch floors or uh, knocks and socks that we touched on earlier. Everyone has visibility of this issue and it can potentially Be extremely important that we get that up as soon as possible so the only way that the only way that you can prepare a technician for that is to have them experience that and get comfortable working under the pressure of having several different people look at you like watching you troubleshoot this you know uh and part of that is managing the customers or the uh the client's communication with with the technician who's there um in my experience, clients don't typically, um, get concerned or get panicked unless they see the person who's there to fix the problem get panicked. So, you know, it's a, it's, it's a confidence thing as well. Now there's a hundred different trainings that you can take to get better familiarity with the system or be- better familiar, familiarity with how the products are supposed to function together. But at the same time, if, I take a training on any given DSP class and I walk into a room that has a completely different DSP in it. I have a lot of the basic knowledge and understanding from the DSP course that I took over here to apply to the DSP course I have in the room. Uh, There's a lot of translating, translating trainings and experiences that can help propel you forward to be able to better equip yourself to take care of these uh, system failures that do happen.
0: Tell me how important communication with the customer is not just in every step of the process but also when systems failures happen and do you see that as combined with with service the service that you offer to the customer
1: Oh absolutely communication is 90% of the of the service that should be provided and what i mean by that is so say, say, for instance, that somebody called and, you know, their, their entire video wall is down and this is a, you know, this is a watch floor that monitors, you know, diseases or natural disasters or, you know, so, something going on somewhere in, in the country or the world. These guys are, are panicked because they have to be able to keep this up and keep monitoring this and having that video wall is a huge part of how they monitor these things. So, you know, even if, you know, my administrator, or my manager sends an email to these guys saying, you know, that I'm on the way, I still pick up the phone and call them when I'm in my vehicle, give them an estimated time of arrival that my GPS says I'm going to be there. And when I when I park my vehicle, give them another call saying, hey, I'm walking into the lobby now, have somebody downstairs to meet me so we can go up, you know, communication at the beginning is almost as important as the communication during the process. You know, having that air of confidence when you walk in really calms a lot of people down, especially if, you know, they're familiar with seeing you, which is part of what we do as our preventive maintenance. We get familiarity with the system. We get familiarity with the client so that once things go down and they see that same person they've been seeing for a year, five years, 10 years, however long, it really helps having that confidence with them. You know, and as as you find things, you're explaining to the customer what you're finding and how we're going to fix it. Communication throughout the entire process is essential on the back end after you leave the site, after it's all fixed, logging that exactly what you did and shooting that back to, you know, the client and their team really helps foster a lot of trust with, you know, the client and us as a company that provides service.
0: I'm curious Caleb hearing you talk um because customer service is not something you can take for granted. Is that something that you learned through experience over time or specific training to place that emphasis on service that you do?
1: I it that's hard to quant- uh hard to quantify. Um you know everybody was a kid once where you know you you went to a restaurant and people just you know, kind of did things when you asked them like customer service is something that, you know, you learn over time that becomes valuable. It's definitely a mindset that you have to find yourself in. An example that I had, one of my, uh, when I first started at Bridges, there was, you know, there was a system failure of a video wall at a important 24 seven watch center. I ended up going there at 8am that morning and I don't think I left that site until 10pm at night trying to make it work and realizing that I couldn't I sat on the bottom or I sat on the floor of a rack room in a space that was you know 80 degrees for 10 hours, trying to tr- uh, trying to troubleshoot different things to get these guys back up and running because it had to get back up and running. You know, I I tried, you know, I tried everything under the sun that I could think of. I was on the phone with my boss. He gave me other things to try. And walking off that site without having the problem fixed hurt a lot. Not, not every time you go to fix a customer's issue is going to be a win. But it's not about working the long hours. It's about trying to... Provide the right kind of service to your end users.
0: Before I let you go, Caleb, I wanted to ask you about any other big changes that you're seeing in the industry right now. Any challenges or changes or what you expect for the future in pro
1: AV? Everybody knows the AV industry is ever changing. It never, you know, stays one thing, it's always growing into something else. The importance of having a dedicated service team is a huge asset to anyone to to kind of explain that a little bit better so bridges is a company of roughly you know 40 to 50 employees i don't know the exact number we have seven dedicated service team members that just do service whether it's preventive maintenance whether it's you know break fix whether you know like anything that happens with any of our clients, we have a team dedicated to making sure that they get taken care of. So, you know, that's that's a, our administrator, our site support technician, who whose job is to sit on one of our, you know, more important locations to, you know, run the space and fix anything as it comes up in that moment, as well as five service technicians that go anywhere from DC to Ohio to salt lake city to wherever there's a call for us to go pretty much including my manager so you know having that as opposed to having field service engineer or i'm sorry field engineers to uh integration technicians to programmers having them run service on top of their own job this is something that we do every day so we run into these problems more often than people who build systems from the ground up or people who do your punch test on site. The difference between people who do punch and test when a system is built to a service team is that the service team has seen this system work a hundred percent before. So we have an idea that we can cut certain things out from that mindset to Better troubleshoot what's going on. To where someone who's coming from more of a punch and test background, which is typically your engineers or programmers, those guys have never seen that system work before. So they're going to check things like you know terminations, E did settings, uh, firmware, like you know things that they would typically look at to stand a system up from scratch. Um, whereas you know we typically you know look to look to see what's failed, like you know somebody unplugging something they shouldn't have or you know the building had a power failure and things booted up in a sequence that they shouldn't have booted up in having an understanding that service is important moving further and further into this realm is is very important
0: thank you Caleb for coming on today and thank you everyone for listening to today's pro av podcast If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can go to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. I'm your host, Maggie Shin. See you next time.